If you want to grab a Bible, we're going to turn to uh, John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 1 and read to verse 17. You can also turn your Bible on. If you didn't bring one, that's okay. Just turn it on and let the, the glow of God's Word captivate you. Hey, it's good to see you guys here. John chapter 15, verse 1. Thank you, David. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And by this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear much fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father's name, He may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. The story of Christmas is the story that God is with us. You know, I think we hear that. You hear the song, you know, Emmanuel, God with us. I think after a while as Christians, that stops surprising us. Now, if right now, if somebody of great importance, somebody that you value, now maybe it's somebody that is in the same field that you're in, maybe it's someone that you just really appreciate, showed up at your house and they were with you for Christmas, that would be, that would be an emotional experience. If somebody that you appreciate, maybe somebody from the past that's no longer here, a loved one, a family member, a father, a mother, somebody that you valued, if they were with you, that would change everything, wouldn't it? Just having that person, just one more day with them, one more day in their presence, one more holiday to share together, one more opportunity to hear your father maybe say words that he's never said, to say, I love you, or to hear your mother once again, say Merry Christmas. Wouldn't it be amazing just to be with somebody that we love? Well, if that's captivating, right? 
I mean, if that brings tears to our, our eyes, if that moves our heart, just to spend time with somebody, that a person that we love, what would it be like to be with God? To know God? And not just to know God and, and to be with God, but for God to communicate in such a way that His love is made real to our hearts. The cool thing about God is God loves us and He knows the gifts you want, right? And that's what our kids are hoping for tomorrow. <laughs> I hope my dad knows what I want. I hope my mom, I hope my family, I hope... I've said it enough times. I hope I left enough hints that tomorrow morning when I get up, it's going to be there. Now, maybe it's going to be at the end, you know, kind of tucked around the corner, that present that's right at the end of the whole celebration. I know you're probably going to set your kids up like I do <laughs> to think I forgot. But because we love our kids, we know how to, to give gifts. We know how to express things in a way that cause them to experience love, right? Well, if God has created us and He knows us, how much, how much more skilled and gifted is He as a gift, a gift giver and a gift buyer? That He knows us. He knows the exact way, the exact things that speak to our heart. And He's saying, I want to be with you and I want my love, as He says in John 15, to abide in you. In this series, we've been talking about what it means to meet God in the message of Christmas that God is with us. And we've discovered what that means is to abide in Him. And see, the word abide means to make your home in. That every day, all of us make our home in something. When a disappointment comes, often what happens is instead of just addressing the disappointment, we make our home in that disappointment, don't we? We live in it. We're crushed by it. And all day long, it's kind of playing in our heart and our mind and our attitude. And, and now the way we express things, the way we say things, everything gets funneled through what we make our home in. And when we're disappointed, sad, or even when we're overjoyed, it doesn't matter what bad news comes because this great news is coming to our lives and now we're making our home in it. And no matter what we face, we feel confident. Well, what would it look like to make our home not in good news or bad news, not in disappointments, but in God. And especially in the message of Christmas that God is with us, and His desire is to make our joy, as He says in this passage, complete. That's a pretty good gift. To make our joy complete, because when our joy is complete, it says His joy is complete. And so today, what I want to look at just briefly today, is look at what it, what it looks like for us and this may not be what you want to hear on Christmas Eve morning, what it looks like for us to abide in each other. Meaning, what does it look like for us to abide in community? Because in this passage, Jesus said, abide in my words and I will abide in you. He says, abide in my love and I will abide in you. But he also commands us and says, we must love one another. And if we love one another, here's the outcome, you will abide in me. That in loving each other, we make our home in God. Now, why is that? Why is in loving each other, why is that? Why do we find our home in God when we love each other? Because that is what God is, and that is what God does. For God so loved that He stayed home and sent a gift. No. He gave His Son, His one and only Son, into the world so that we, we might know Him and that we might live through Him. The beauty of the Christmas story, the beauty of Christianity, which is so unique among any religion or philosophy or 
human idea of the world is that Christianity does not begin with what you need to give. It begins with what God gave. It doesn't start with what we need to do to get ready for God. It's all about what God has done to make Himself known to you. And our only response is to receive. But see, the way we receive, and this is the unique thing about the Christian life, is that we are the body of Christ. Which means in this room is Jesus. Now, Jesus is with us when two or more gather, but He's with us in that if I take the collective gifts and talents of everyone in this room, we'd have Jesus. Because there are some of you that are as generous as Jesus. There's some of you as kind as Jesus. There's some of you as loving as Jesus. Maybe not that loving, but pretty loving. <laughs> There's some of you as, with gifts like Jesus, but it, it's just some of us. But when we come together, if we could all kind of push us together, what would come out is Jesus, because we're the body of Christ, which means that when we abide in each other, we abide in Jesus. There's a sense in which you will not know God unless you know the people of God. I think we all know this because we have friends, right? I, I hope. <laughs> I hope we all have friends. And what the great thing about friends is there are certain friends that draw things out of you. I've got some friends that are as goofy as all get out. Love to crack jokes, love to be a goofball. And when I'm around them, that's what they draw out. I become as goofy as they are. And then I've got friends that are really determined, serious, competitive. And I'll tell you, when I'm around them, I want to win. Now, I'm not, I don't want to win necessarily with the goofy guys. I want to have fun. Why is that? Because your friends draw out of you aspects of your character that other people don't. Well, if that's true of us, and we're pretty finite creatures, isn't that much more true of God? That me and my personal Jesus in my own closet is not going to draw out the wholeness of God. Rather, the fullness of God is us. It's when we are together, we see the character of God. And so today, what I want to look at is what is the love of God and what does it look like for us to love each other as God loved us? Are you ready? Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. And you see, everyone who is born, or everyone who loves, has been born of God and knows God. But whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. And this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. See, we know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. 
And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Bergen Park, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. In this way, God's love is made complete among us so that we might have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like Him. You see, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, church, we love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And so he has given us this command, church, that we may love one another. Now that's 1 John chapter 4. What is John saying? He's telling you the greatest news of all. Love does not begin with you. He is telling you the greatest news of all. Love does not start with you. Love starts with God. I am not a creator of love. The only thing I can do is be an experiencer of the love of God and one through which the love of God is now transferred to others. I cannot create love. Now, why is that? Because John says God is love. Let us love one another. Why? Because love comes from God, and we are those who claim to know God. And if we claim to know God, the world outside is not claiming what we claim, do they? They're not claiming to know God. Why do we expect the world to give a love that we claim to have? Why do we expect the world to love us or respond to us in a way with a love that they've not experienced? Because it's through us. It's through the body of Christ that this world would know the love of God. See, love is from God. The good news about that is that you can't create love for others. All you can do is experience the love of God. And to the degree that love begins to impact your heart, that love begins to flow through us to others. You know, Jesus said in John 15, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, listen, remain in my love. What did Jesus do in his life? The same thing we're doing, just better, right? We're learning to live in the love of God. That's what Jesus did. Because he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, remain in my love. Church, the life of the Christian is not a life of trying to work up love for God in your heart. Rather, it's a life of experiencing and recognizing the depths of God's love, being broken by His love, being amazed by His love. Because we cannot create the love of God. We can only receive it and express that love to others because love comes from God. What John is telling us, if you want to turn there, you'll see in your handout that passage is there. He tells us there's two ways that God has expressed His love for us. Two primary ways, and both are by sending. By sending His Son and by sending the Holy Spirit. 
I imagine many of you expressed love over the last month by sending, by sending a gift, you know, by sending a check, by sending a card. Amazon's a great way to send. And you're hoping when that package arrives that love will be experienced. And see, that's what God has done. Because He knows us so well, He has sent His Son, He sent the Spirit into the world. And what John says is the result of that should be that we experience and know the love of God. And so he says in verse 9, in John chapter 4, verse 9, in this the love of God has been made manifest, it's been known among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, that we might live through Him. And then in John chapter 4, verse 13, he says, And by this we know and abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. There is no other religion, no other philosophy that begins with the words, God is love. So a lot of people today, if you talk to people that say, you know, I don't believe in the God of Christianity, I don't believe in Jesus, but they will say, right, you heard this? But I believe God is love. See, we have Jesus to thank for that. Because no other philosophy, no other religion dares to say that God is love. Rather, what they say is, if you love God, God will love you. Now, what's the difference? The love of God, and this is good news, is not based on what you do. The love of God is not contingent on what we do. It's contingent on what Jesus Christ has done. Because what changed us? Let's be honest, what changed us? My life has been changed because of love. Not because I got it right in my relationship, certainly in my marriage. It wasn't because I did things well. It's not because I loved well. It's because of God loving well and others loving me well. And it's the love that changes the heart. Law can get obedience through fear. Right? You grew up in that home? My dad had a weightlifting belt, okay? wasn't just an ordinary belt. It was a weightlifting belt, and that was our punishment. Now, he didn't have to use it very often because we were scared to death when that belt came out. But that was fear leading to obedience. If you're a parent, what kind of obedience do you want from your kids? An obedience that just comes through the fear of punishment or an obedience that comes because they know your love. And they want your love to flow through them to others. Which one's going to have a greater impact when they're in college? The fear of punishment? Hey, listen, that one's gone. <laughs> and that's why they go two, three states away, right? Because what they're saying is, I'm not going to be under the authority. I'm going to break out. Why is it so many college kids kind of just break out and go wild when they get out of the Christian home? Often because our, our parenting is under fear. It's always consequences. Hey, if you do this, this is what's going to come upon you. How did God parent us? While we were yet sinners, God expressed His love for us. And that while I was in rebellion, while I was in hatred towards God, God sent His Son. It's the love of God that transforms the heart. And the good news is that's the gospel. The gospel is we love because God first loved us and sent His Son. And I'll tell you, 
When you're in love for the first time, we talked about this, you can be honest about what you love more than God. Let me say that again. When you're in the love of God, when you're in the community, the body of Christ, you don't have to pretend that you love God the most. Have you been in a church like that? I just love me, Jesus. Coming in on Christmas Day, no problems in our house, no struggles, no addictions, no, no yelling, no anger, because see, I want to be a good Christian. And so my behavior is how I show my Christianity. But see, when there is love, when there is acceptance in love, you can admit there are things in my life I love a lot more than God. And then you repent and say, but I want to know the love of God. You know what draws the love of God? Humility. Humility says, I need to love God more than I do. And if God first loved us, if we admit there are things in my life right now I'm much more passionate about than God, then God in our sin and our brokenness will meet His love there and we will begin to love God more because we'll recognize, you know what? God doesn't accept me because I got it right. God accepts me because of His Son, Jesus Christ, and it's through Jesus I am made right. The beauty of the Christian message is not that we are to go out and just simply love the world. The beauty of the Christian message is that this Christmas we must abide in His love. And he's, done, he's shown us His love by sending His Son into the world. And how do we know that we've experienced the love of the Son? Well, He tells us, by loving one another. And I love how He says that in this way, His love is made complete or perfect in us. What does it mean to have perfected love? doesn't mean love that never makes mistakes. It means a love that reaches its end. What is the end of the love of God? I'll tell you, it's not your comfort. I'm sorry. I know that's what we want to hear, isn't it? It's my comfort, right? I want No, because Jesus is of everything. That's the end of God's love. He's just concerned about me. No, because Jesus loved the Father. And Jesus did not live a life of comfort. Rather, He demonstrated His love on a cross. Because the love of God always seeks the best interest of the one who is loved. The love of God is always pursuing and seeking the best interest of the one that is loved. Jesus didn't go to the cross because He loved it. Jesus went to the cross because He loved the Father. And in the garden, He said, Father, if it's possible, meaning I don't love this, may this hour pass for me, yet not my will but yours be done. What is the love of God? It loves in the best interest of the object of love. Which means even if the object of love hates the lover, it still loves. Do you hear that? Because who are we, church? Who are we? While we were yet sinners, Christ died. His love wasn't contingent on how rebellious I was or how angry I was at Him or how much I hated my parents or, or how much anger and rage was in my heart. That wasn't why God loved me. Now see, God is love like fire is heat, and like the sun is light. That is His nature. And the nature of love is to love the object of love regardless of how that object responds to you. Okay, church, let's go do that. There's your message right there, right? Let's just go do that. Let's love everybody according to their best interest. Even if they hate us, 
even if they voted for the other guy, even if they have policies, even if they do things that we hate, we are to love others and pursue the best interest of the one that is loved. Just go out and try that. How's that going to go? You'd give up on Christianity real quick, and you should. That's not the Christian life. That's religion. And there is a big difference between religion and the gospel and religion and Christianity. That our love flows through the love of God. And see, God loves by sending His Son, and second, by sending the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 13, By this we know and abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. And then if you jump down in verse 16, he says, And so we have come to know and believe the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God in Him. Jesus Christ came to show us the love of God. The Holy Spirit came so that we might experience the love of God. See, it's not about just information. The gospel is information that becomes transformation in the heart. And the way that happens is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you notice in this passage in verse 13, he says there's two ways that we know the Spirit is at work within us. One, we confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and we testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. That's what this year is about. That's what this season is about. To testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And when you do that, when you confess that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and confess means to confess, it means not just in your private little corner in life, but to be known as a Christian, to be known as a follower of Jesus. When you confess that He is the Son of God, when you testify, which is again, to show with our life and our words that Jesus is the Savior of the world, you know what happens? The love of God becomes real to your mind and to your heart. That's what He's saying in verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. How do we know and rely on the love God has for us? By being obedient to confess and testify. The more you talk about Jesus, the more you experience the love of Jesus. I get so loved up here every single Sunday. Now, I'm scared to death because I have to look out at you. But what happens is in confessing and testifying about Jesus, the love of Jesus is made manifest in my heart. The more you confess and testify about who Jesus is and what He's done, the more the love of God becomes real to your heart. You know this. It's the same way in marriage. Come on. It's the same way in marriage. How does marriage work? Uh, she knows I love her, right? I told her last week, you know, sweetie, you're the greatest. You know, the gift says it all. I don't need to say anything. No. Love between two individuals grow when love is seen and love is heard. My wife knows I love her, but there are days where i got to get eye to eye and kind of say, you know, I'm amazed at your love for me. I'm so grateful that, that you love our family and you sacrifice for us. And I know it's hard at times because I'm not the easiest to deal with. What's happening that moment? See, she knows love. But as I confess love, I'm experiencing love. I'm experiencing love for my wife. And in my words, she's experiencing my love. The relationship with God's not any different, church. 
If you just think love, love's not going to be there. But if you declare love, that love is present as we confess and testify. And see, that's what the world needs to hear. They need to see a people that love God and love the best interest of those who are the object of love. We don't love because they're in our political group. They're in our socioeconomic class, so I can love that person. Because they have an education. No, we love because God loved us. And we love the object of love, which is another human being, the same way God loved us. Because God is love. And see, the Spirit has come to cause us to experience the love of God, to know His love. But here's the challenge. Is, and I think this is a tremendous challenge. Often we love God out of fear, which is not love. Obedience that's driven by fear is not obedience. Because that's not what God's after. Now, there is a fear, there is an awe, a respect for God, which is very, very different. But if you notice, John says, the one who fears is not made perfect in love, meaning God's love is not complete. Religion says obey out of fear. Religion says obey to get. You know what Christianity says? Obey because you have. Religion says, do this and God will not punish you. Christianity says, obey. Because look at what God has done. Look at what God has done in that Jesus would, would take our place on the cross, receive our punishment on Himself, so that we might know the love of God. See, if we obey out of fear, out of fear of what would happen to us, that's not the Christian life. Rather, he says, no, the one who fears is not made complete in love. What's, what does love do? See, when, think about our kids. When your kids blow it, if they are terrified of you, they will not tell you. You with me? Now, they may tell you because they know you're going to find out and they know that the finding out terror is better than the not finding out terror and so they're going to tell you because they know you're going to find out. But you know what? When my kids are going through a hard time and they've really blown it, you know what I want from them? Sometimes they think it's perfection. No, I, I want them to tell me they're struggling because when my kids are hurting, I want to be as close to them as possible. God's the same way. His love compels us. His kindness leads us to repentance, not fear. It's the kindness of God. It's the goodness of God that says, God, I don't want you right now in my life. Pornography is much more important than you. You know what changes your heart from pornography? Those that struggle admitting that it's more important than God. You know what breaks the heart of the idol of money and wealth? It's repentance. It's confessing. Father, I don't love you as much as I love the stuff that I have. You know what God will do in that, which is unlike any other image of God, is He will demonstrate His love by reminding you that you're not accepted because you loved Him perfectly. You're accepted because Jesus loved us perfectly. That's repentance and faith. And see, that's what begins to change the heart. And that's what causes us to run to God because God first loved us. And so what should we do? 
And here's the beauty as we, as we close today. And I love this. You know, we are in God so that God, is, as John said, might live through us. Did you notice that? That we might live in Him and He in us. That's the language of abiding. That's John chapter 15. I am the vine and you are the branches, and whoever abides in me, it is he that bears much fruit. And then he says, but I've given you this command, love one another. What is the church? Bergen Park, what is the church? And when I say church, you're not at church today in the sense that you're in this building. You're at church in the sense that you're with these people. You with me? We're not at church in that we gathered at this building. The church is not a building. The church is the people of God. And what makes a church is when the people of God are centered on the love of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a church. You know what unifies us as a church is not that we will ever agree on every political issue. Some churches pursue that. It'll fail. It will fail. We are not a church because on every theological issue, we're going to have everything lined up and we're going to always say the same thing and believe the same thing. You see, that church will not, will not succeed. The center of the church is Jesus Christ. What unifies us as a church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And see, when the gospel of Jesus Christ is our center, then love is our action. Because see, when I come into a church like that, when I come into Bergen Park, what I need is the love of God. And where I need it is through you. Because see, when I experience the love of God through you, and I realize, you know what, I'm not accepted based on what I've done. Jason, you're accepted based on what Jesus has done, but listen, you've got to change that behavior in your life when I begin to experience that in a community of people who love me, I can now go out to a community of people who may not like me and make them the object of my love. Because I have known in my heart through Christ, I've experienced through the Holy Spirit, and now I share with you a love that sacrifices and serves the best interests of those who are the object of love. Church, what vision does God have for us in 2018? that we would love the community of Evergreen like God has loved us. And here's the good news. You can't do it. Listen, you can't do it. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But if together we abide in Jesus, He promises to do it through us. You with me? He, He promises to love through us. But the only way we can do that is by abiding in His love. Now, what does God have for us in 2018? What He has for us is that we would rest and trust in what Christ has done and allow His love to work through us. Church, will you please stand this morning as we conclude? And I want to pray for you and pray over you what... I've been encouraging you to pray throughout this Advent season. This prayer says, In Christ, there's nothing I can do that would make God love me more. 
and nothing I have done that would make God love me less. Your presence and approval are all I need for everlasting joy. And hear these words. And as you have been to me, so I will be to others. Father, as you have been to us, so we will be to others. As Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Lord, obedience, it's love. It's love expressed in joy towards you who was willing to love us to such an extent that you did not pursue what was best for you, but what was best for us. You laid down your life for us, coming in the form of a servant, but not just a servant, but one who is willing to take on death and death on a cross for us so that we might be exalted as Jesus is to the right hand of the Father, and that's where we are. So, Father, today we can acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, and it is to the glory of God the Father. Lord, this Christmas, would we, would we not just try to generate love from us, but, Lord, would we seek to experience the love that comes from you, and through that, to express your love to others. Father, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.